1 Peter chapter 2. Again, if you have a little problem, just go to Revelation 1 and work backwards a few pages and you will come to 1 Peter. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture. Now that's what we're interested in. It's in the Bible. It's contained in the Scripture, chapter and verse. All right? He said, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect. Precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be founded. Everybody said hallelujah. hallelujah. All right, you may be seated. The Lord bless you. In Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, this was what First Peter, this is what he was inspired by the Spirit of the Lord to quote or recount for you, and he brought it from Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion. Now, Zion is a word that's used for the church, okay? I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, he that Believeth shall not make haste. So Isaiah used the word haste, and Peter in the New Testament used the word confounded. So you want to get what it said here, wherefore it is contained in the Scripture. Peter was referring back to the Old Testament Scripture, and that was given, and you want to base your thinking, your believing on the Word of God chapter and the verse, the subject matter. Now there's been an awful lot of talk, maybe we should use the word hubbub, <laughs> about, uh, you know, that Jesus was coming back yesterday, okay? And uh, you'd be surprised how many people how were affected by that, no matter how much you would try to tell them and assure them now, I want to make something clear. Number one, Jesus is coming back. That is a biblical truth and a biblical teaching. But he wasn't coming back yesterday. All right? And in 1988, he didn't come back then. And how many other years have different ones popped up and said that he was coming back? And, you know, the enemy likes to do this because he wants people to relax when it doesn't happen then they're going to kick back, they're going to relax, and after a while it's going to be like the little boy that cried wolf, that uh, they're, not going to, they're, not, they're not going to believe when the real thing is upon us. And it's not that the real thing isn't close, it is, but there are things that have yet to come to pass that must come to pass before he will return. Now, 2 Peter I'm going to read a scripture to you. Listen closely to it because there is that which I, I do want it to get a hold of you as a hastening, as a get up and get with it, as a hurry up. And it's not going to be about you running around at the last second here. And I will tell you that we're not in the last days. We're in the end of the last days. And I, I certainly don't think that you should be dragging around 
And I certainly, you might be at the end of your last stage. Like I told her, they had a group out there and they were taking a picture. They were from the class of 1961 and Commissioner Greer was taking the picture and his mother was in the picture with others. And um, I told him, I said, well, let me help you out. I said, he's not coming back Saturday. And so the one guy piped up and he said, well, you can't know that. And I said, I know that. Well, he sunk back down. <laughs> so <clears throat> as the Apostle Paul said, I know in whom I believe. And as it is written of the church that we're not children of the night. We're not children of darkness. The church is God's people. And God speaks through his church. And we become the voice to the lost and the dying. And we take that very seriously. And we want you to be educated in spiritual things. We don't want you to uh, find yourself groping at noonday like you were in the, in the darkness of midnight. We want you to know what the scriptures teach. We don't want you to be foolish. We don't want you to wind up confounded or confused or, duh, what's happening? What happened? You know, we don't want you to be like that. Neither do we want you to, Jesus doesn't want you to be running to and fro, okay, and tripping all over things and panicking, and, and uh, you just don't know what's going on. And that you're, uh, somebody says run there and you run there. Somebody over there says run over there and you run over there. Somebody over there says run over there, and you're running around crazy. All right, now that's not the way it's to be at all. And it doesn't have to be that way for you if you would just simply determine that I'm going to get this truth that Jesus Christ said was available to every man, woman, boy, and girl, that I could have this. I don't want to, um, you know, just be kicking back. What did it say about one individual? He, he was doing quite well in life. His barn was full, the Scripture teaches. And he was kicking back and talking to himself and saying, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. All's good. Everything, your life is good. You know what? I've got the architect working on a new barn for me. He said, because my barn is full. I'm going to build me a bigger barn. And then there came the voice that spoke and said, thou fool. Woo, I don't want to hear those words. <laughs> he said, thou fool, this night thy soul is required of thee. So Jesus can come back, in a manner of speaking, for individuals. He can come back for you. Your, your ticket can get pulled. Your, your number can come up. It can be time for your clock to run out and your last gra grains of sand run through the hourglass for you. Yes, you could have a heart attack. You could have a lot of things happen, and that's you. But for the body of Christ, now that's a different story, okay? There are scriptures to be fulfilled. There are things that Jesus foretold. And those things will come to pass. And the church is on top of that. All right? The church is in tune and in rank and in step and harmony with the Spirit of the Lord. We do have the mind of Christ. And I want you to believe that with me this morning. Now, Second Peter, this is Second Peter. All right? So if you're in First Peter, just go over a page or so and you'll be right there. Okay, this is chapter 3, the last chapter, Second Peter chapter 3. And verse 12, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. That's not exactly a pretty picture. 
I heard on the radio this morning on the news that on the radio that uh, there's a volcano burping up there in Iceland, and it's 12 miles high of smoke. And how the last time, and it wasn't too long ago, that this a different volcano up there erupted, and they said that it wound up costing billions of dollars because it it, it affected so many things. You wouldn't think up there. But then you've got to remember there's wind currents and, and all that ash and that soot is going somewhere. And so they were talking about it, and I'm saying to you that there are things that the Bible teaches that there would be earthquakes in different places. and There would be these kind of eruptions, even to the point that the powers of the heavens would be shaken. There's going to be men's hearts that are going to fail them because of fear of looking at what's going on in this world. I want you to know that Jesus Christ wants to give you the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. He does not want you to have, and he's telling you that's not what he's given. He's not giving the spirit of fear. He's giving power, love, and a sound mind, good judgment for you to be prudent, for you to have good, sound judgment based on good, sound doctrine doesn't want you to be an extremist left nor an extremist right. Now, I well remember in 1988, they had this guy, and he had it going on, friend. He had everybody believing that 88 reasons why Jesus was coming in 88. I guess he liked the way that rhymed, and so that became his little mantra, that became his little slogan, and that became his advertisement. It got so extreme that not too far from where I was at, there were two ladies that, that first of all, they didn't know how to be saved, but they were told just tell them you love them and, and that's it. You're fine. Just You're my Savior. Now, those instructions are not in the Bible, but that's what they were told. And so they claimed that they accepted Christ as their personal Savior, and then they each shot each other, killed each other dead, because their human reasoning was that if we shoot each other right after we take Christ as our personal Savior, that then we won't have a chance to sin and we'll be okay. Human reasoning inspired by the wrong spirit. It really does matter who you're listening to and what they're saying. We want to be listening to the Word of God. We want that to be what's being told us, the chapter and the verse. He said, I'm laying in Zion. I'm putting in the church a foundation that is sure. It's solid. It's steadfast. You can, it's elect and it's precious. You can stand on this. You can build your life on this. You can bank everything on this. And so you should. Okay? And he said, and then you won't find yourself making haste. You won't find yourself confounded in that time, in that moment. And that will come upon this whole earth. But most especially, you want to remember that there is the world, and then there is the church. Okay? And the church, the body of Christ, it is not this building. That's the church house. But the church is made up of people, people that come out of darkness into his marvelous light and that they begin to call upon him in truth. Jesus said he was the truth. And so you call upon him in truth. You call upon him based on his word 
on his chapter and verse. You don't do it any old way. You don't make up your own rules. Now, you probably had uh, opportunities to do that in this life, and most of us do, and our flesh loves to rule. We like it to be the way we want it to be. We like to be able to call the shots, and like the guy kicking back and hands behind his head, I think I'll build a bigger barn. And God said, you're not going to build another thing, pal. You know, your time has come. Well, let me give you a historical example. The king of Babylon, which was a tremendous empire, okay? And Nebuchadnezzar was his name. And Nebuchadnezzar was told by the prophet Daniel, the preacher, called him in because all the other guys were just yes men. They wouldn't tell him anything. They weren't going to risk offending the king because if they did that, they knew their head would go one way and their body would go the other. So they just netoed to the king. They told him whatever it uh, scratched his little itchy ears, whatever that he wanted to hear, that's what they were telling him. But you know there came a time, as there will, that you're going to realize, I don't need some yes men. I need somebody to tell me the truth. I need that truth. If it rubs me the wrong way, then I need to be rubbed the wrong way. He said, let the righteous smite me. It'll be like an oil unto me. It'll be a good thing, in other words. That's what was, the writer was saying. Okay. So Nebuchadnezzar called in Daniel. He said, I'm not, I'm not, not going to call in my hired uh, priesthood here. I'm not calling in these guys that I pay their paycheck uh, every week. I'm not doing that. I had one man say to me not too far from right here in a restaurant, and he said uh, he claimed to be part of some church, some congregation, and he started quoting me all these little phrases that weren't in the Bible, and I was trying to be uh, very nice and cordial because uh, one of the men in our churches, he was, this guy was his boss, and so they invited me to lunch, and I wasn't out to offend anybody. You know, you're trying to be nice. You're not trying to make enemies. But the Bible did say you'll be hated of all men for his name's sake. And so when you stand up for what's right, everybody's not going to be happy about it. And, uh, and so I'm just trying to nod my head, you know, and be nice and keep eating my food and, you know, not become too preacher-like at the moment. And so finally he made a statement. He said something about the preacher that they hired. And he said, and that's what we hired him for. And, brother, right about then my Holy Ghost stood straight up. And there just wasn't going to be any holding back. And so I just had to let him know that we don't play around with all of these little coined terms of men. And that we do it by chapter and verse. And that you must be born again of water and of the Spirit or you cannot see or enter into the kingdom of God. Now, how you like me now? <laughs> well, you better like it because it's what Jesus said. We're just saying what he said. We're just giving you the truth. You must be baptized in Jesus' name in water for the full, for full pardon and remission of all of your sins. Washes you in the blood. And then you must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is the born-again experience. Not enough to just say you must be born again. That's a good thing to say, but you got to break that down. You gotta, you gotta tell me how to do that. What does that mean? That doesn't mean to just say, me too. You know, that's not what it means. There's no example of that. But we have examples of people that were commanded to be baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that they were then commanded to receive the free gift of the Holy Ghost. 
and that he would send forth his spirit into your heart. Nebuchadnezzar got too big for himself. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, was told by Daniel because Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and God spoke to Nebuchadnezzar, and he did it for his glory. He did it for the furtherance of the work of God. And so Daniel tells him, he said, okay, here's what your dream means. And he begins to tell him. He said, you're the one right now that's in the mouth of the gun, so to speak. And you're the one that you, you've been shown that you're about to be cut down. And it's going to be seven years. And you're going to be without your mind, friend. And you're going to learn that God rules in the kingdom of men. And so it came to pass 12 months later. Now that 12 months is right where the problem happens, isn't it? Because somebody hears the preacher tell it. Somebody hears the word of God, chapter and verse. Somebody gets a warning. And then what they do, they go day by day. See, nothing happens. See, whoop, I got by another month. I got by, you know, uh, you know. Because sentence is not executed speedily. And the sons of men are fully set in their heart to do it wrong. Okay? So you got to be careful lest your heart get hard because you got you feel like you're getting by a day or a month or a few months. Twelve months went by, one year to the day. And Nebuchadnezzar looking around and started bragging on what all he'd done and what all he had, who all he was. And the word came right then from heaven. That voice fell from heaven and said, that's it, pal, your day is over. And he then went into a sickness and he became like a beast of the field. He lost his mind and he could not reason or understand any longer. And seven years he was like that until he learned. Now, I don't know how he learned in that kind of mental confusion, but the good God of heaven allowed his understanding to come back enough to say, you rule, you rule, not me, you rule. I'm ready to do it your way. I'm going to do it your way. Amen. What I have is why is because you tolerated, you allowed, you had mercy on me. You let me live another day. Oh, yeah. He said, I realize now you are the ruler. You are God. And nobody tells you. You tell us. <laughs> and so Nebuchadnezzar learned a very tough lesson. And uh, my pastor used to say that God had to hit him over the head with a two-by-four just to get his attention. So I, I think God uses something bigger than a two-by-four with me. So I learn slow and I forget fast. But I want you to come to a place in your life and in your thinking where you can do what Daniel told the king. He said, basically, my counsel to you, he said, is to break off your sins. Break off your sins. Everybody said amen. Let's make a little room for this gentleman. And you sure have the front row if you like. Glad to have you. So you got to break off your sins. You know what that translates to in your Bible? Repent. It translates to repent. Break it off. Stop it. Turn away from it. Tell God you're sorry from it. You repent. Jesus said over and over, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. We all need to tell God we're sorry, but it has to go further than just lip service, I'm sorry. I've given you an example many a time. If I punch Pete in the nose and leave him with a bloody nose and maybe a broken nose. And then, and, then I, and then I start saying, oh, Pete, I'm so sorry. Let me fix your nose here. Let's get rid of the blood. Everything okay? Good. Okay. I, I just want you to know I'm sorry, Pete. And then I'll bop him again. Well, that's not repentance. Repentance means you break it off. You break off your sins. You stop 
that style of living, that lifestyle. You change it. That's what repentance is. You change the pattern. You turn from the wrong to the right. You turn from Satan to God. You turn from the natural worldly ways of things and you turn to God's ways of things. And everybody said amen. amen. And so he's telling you now I've got this foundation. And the Bible tells you in Ephesians 2 and 20 that the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. We want to be on the right foundation. The one that he said, therefore, behold, I lay in Zion, the church, a, a cornerstone, a chief cornerstone, elect and precious for a sure foundation. That's, that's Isaiah 28 and 16. You want to be on the right foundation. You don't do this just any old way you want. You don't just have a bean dream or an advertising dream and begin to promote through your radio stations and everything else. And then and Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And people are sending money and people are selling out. People are doing this and they're being affected. And somebody's bank account, well, what's he wanted for? If Jesus is coming leave. What's he need a bigger bank account for? Somebody said he. Somebody said that uh, he took half his life savings. Yeah, half of what? And how much more went back into it? You know. And this is a pattern. I'm telling you, this is not new. What's gone on here this last little bit? This is a pattern of things that has been used in this world, and all it's really designed to do is create discredit and unbelief. You get to chapter and verse. You get to the Word of God. You get this experience. You don't have to be chasing around. You won't be wondering. You won't be following everything, uh, whim of somebody that comes along. You're going to know what you've got, and you're going to know what the Bible teaches, and you're going to know that He's coming, friend, but it's going to be according to the Word of God. Not going to be somebody had too many tacos the night before. Woke up with some kind of bean dream, you know, and <laughs> began to, you know, it's all, you watch, it's all about this world. It's all about them making a bunch of money. The only one they make a true prophet right then is a guy named P.T. Barnum. He said there's a sucker born every day. They make him a true prophet, don't they? <laughs> Not a prophet of the Lord, but a prophet of this world. <laughs> and my goodness, people, it's so sad to see people get so mixed up. And that guy telling me that I couldn't possibly know that he wasn't coming back Saturday, I said, well, I do know it. And I let him know I knew it very forcefully. And uh, one of our ladies that's coming to church here, she works in that restaurant, and she had one of the guys working in there said something to her, and she, she turned around and told him that's not true, and that's not going to happen. Well, guess what? Here we are. It's Sunday, you know. I was leaving that restaurant on Friday, and there was a whole table of, of men from this town. And I told them, I said, well, guys, I thought I'd just do you a favor and let you know you can play golf tomorrow. You're still going to be here. Okay? <laughs> and one guy got a big laugh, and he looked pretty pleased about that. The other guy didn't look happy at all. Now, I don't know. Maybe he's got a bad golf game, or maybe he just got a bad spirit. But then he didn't like it that somebody could make that kind of a statement. But I told the guy with the newspaper, I said, let's run a big thing on the front of the paper that senior pastor says Jesus is not coming Saturday. Okay? Not going to happen. My goodness. And I certainly want him to return for the church. I want him to do that. As John said, even so, come Lord Jesus. But you better remember that in, in praying for him to come and we're going to do that, just remember there's going to be a lot of things just before his coming that are going to be unpleasant in this world. Very unpleasant. Not going to be a little cakewalk. 
not going to be you kicking back and saying, I'm going to build me a bigger barn. All right? Not going to be like that. For the church, there's going to be some challenge. There's going to be what the Bible calls tribulation to the point that it, become, it escalates to become great tribulation. Now, what should I be hastening to and what should I not be getting all riled up about? Well, I don't need to get riled up about people's ideas and people's pipe dreams and money schemes. I don't need to get all excited about them saying, go here, go there. No, I don't need to do that. What I do need to start getting, sitting up straight and paying attention about is this plan of salvation that he has made available to us in this time period in which we are living. It's known as a dispensation. We are living in the dispensation of grace. We are not under the law. We are under grace, okay? The law came by Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Here we are in this acceptable time, in this time period known as today. It's an overall term. And as we live in this church age, in this church time, in this church dispensation, remember, the church is not the physical building. The church is people. Acts chapter 2, Jesus started his church by them being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. The beginnings, the birth of the body of Christ, known as the congregation of the mighty. And that congregation is the one that he sent and said, go into all the world, and since you know my name is Jesus Christ, then go baptize them in my name and bring to them the gift of the Holy Ghost. Bring to them, and as you teach them, as you establish works in different places like Rome, Ephesus, Galatia, Philippi, and so on and so forth, you teach them, you write to them, and give them letters and epistles of instruction And once you are saved, how to stay saved. How to stay saved. We're going to break off our old lifestyle. We're going to break off our old sin. He's not going to pull you out of the fire just for you to go jump back in it again. Everybody said amen. amen. Come on, you got to wake up here. Him that stole, let him steal no more, the book says. Well, you can put any, any sin there you want that you want to name. Him that snorted coke, snort no more coke. You get delivered. You get saved. You get saved means to be delivered. And he, he, the Bible said that he came to save us from our sins. Not in our sins, but from our sins. Jesus goes and sits on a well one day and dur during his earthly ministry, the days of his flesh. And as he's sitting there, here comes a woman to draw water at the well, the public well. And she's come to brought her bucket and about to get some water, and Jesus begins to witness her. He begins to talk to her. And uh, in the conversation, uh, he began to let her know that there were some things in her life that weren't correct and weren't right, that she needed to break those things off. She needed a change in her lifestyle. Another woman was caught in the very act of adultery. She was unfaithful to her husband. And, and, and the Bible said they brought her, these religious people, and threw her at the feet of Jesus Christ and said the law said that we should stone her. What do you say, Jesus? And so Jesus wasn't just ignoring them. He wasn't even paying them any attention. And uh, somebody said, well, you know, under the law, he wrote on the two tables of, of stone. And I said, well, he was writing in the sand and there when they brought the little woman. And I said, what's the difference? Stone is made out of sand. I said, so the same one was just writing again. I don't know what he was writing because the Bible didn't tell me. 
I always thought he was writing MYOB, mind your own business. But uh, he did say to them, he that, he that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. And you, that's when the Louisiana crawfish was born, right there. Because they all started backing out, backing out, backing out. They backed right out of that situation, and they didn't want to have to face that because they knew they had sin in their lives. I could at least appreciate the fact that they were honest enough to admit that. You know, you got a lot of self-righteous people that won't even admit that they've ever done it wrong, said it wrong, or thought it wrong, you know. Now, I got to admit, I made my first mistake yesterday. You know. Okay, that's as funny as that's going to get. Okay, so we've all sinned, right? And we've all come short of the glory of God. We've all made mistakes. Every one of us has. And if you had lived some kind of perfect life under some glass bubble, okay, and that you would still have to be born again because no flesh is going to inherit the kingdom of God. We've got to be born again. There's got to be a new creating here of that inner person, that which is going to be redeemed by Jesus Christ. Everybody said amen. amen. you got to wake up. That which is of the flesh is flesh, and that which is of the spirit is spirit. we got to be born again of God. This is a spiritual experience. He is a spirit. And so you want to pick up what your Bible's teaching. So here's a little woman, and he looks at her, and he says, where are your accusers? And she said, there's nobody here but me and thee. Well, that's right. It's going to boil down to you and him every day and, and on that day. That's who you're going to answer to. And so Jesus, though, was very crystal clear. He said, neither do I condemn thee. There is forgiveness, okay? There is forgiveness. He'll forgive us of all manner of sin, and he'll heal us of all manner of diseases. But you want to notice that it didn't stop there. Neither do I accuse thee, but he told her to go and sin no more. Turn you in the right direction. Break off your sinful lifestyle. Quit doing what you've been doing, and let's go in the right direction here. Let's redirect our steps. Let me lead. The Holy Ghost comes in your life. He'll lead and guide you into all truth. He's not going to lead you in a false way or a sinful way or a harmful way. He's going to lead you down the correct path. It's going to be a straight and a narrow path that leads to life eternal. Few there be that go in there at. But that's a few out of each generation. In the final analysis, it will be a number that no man can number. You want to get your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. How do I do that? You repent of your sins. We will baptize you in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then the Lord will fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that's the new birth experience. That's the plan of salvation that is in the Word of God. And everybody give God a big hand. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now that's, now that's what you need to make haste about. That's what you need to realize there is a day coming when Jesus will return for the church, that first resurrection. And once he takes the church out of here, that's it. There's nothing left but gloom and doom for the, for the people that are left behind. There's nothing good. The church will be gone. That means the salt of the earth will be gone. That means the light, uh, the city with the light will be gone. Everything about Jesus Christ will be gone, okay? And the church will join him in the heavens, and so shall we ever be. Yes, he's coming back. Yes, he's going to return as far as to uh, judge this world and deal with this world. But that's the world. 
The church will already be gone. And he's coming back, as a matter of fact, with the church. He's going to stand at the Mount of Olives, and that's when the Battle of Armageddon is going to be. Now, you hear people on the radio or wherever means you're getting it from, and they're telling you all kinds of things like it's all the same thing. And it's not all the same thing. You've got different subjects, and you've got different events. The thing you want to hasten towards is getting yourself ready for that first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Because the second death will have no power over them. The second death means that you could die and then you will be raised up and you will face the judgment only to be cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity that becomes what's termed the second death. You don't want that to take place, believe me. And if you don't want that to take place, then you don't want the first thing to take place. You don't want to die not in Jesus Christ, you, outside of Jesus Christ. If you, what did it say? If you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you are none of His. And you don't get the Spirit of Christ just by saying, I take Christ as my Savior, I accept you, Jesus. That's not in the Bible. It's not taught in the Bible. It's no instructions were given to that, okay? So why don't we just do what the book says? Why don't we, if you have a Bible, why don't you turn with me right now? And, you know, I, I like people to read for themselves. I like for you to be able to put your finger on chapter and verse. We had a little girl that's been coming to Sunday school, among many, but this one little girl, and um, she was with a friend, and they were at school, I believe, something like that, and uh, they got to talking or something came up, and uh, she told them. She said, you have to repent of your sins. She said, you have to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you have to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And she said, and it was, it was the sisters that told me that. And they said, well, who is that? And she said, Sister Anne and Sister Nicole taught them that in Sunday school. Where did that come from? Well, right here in your Bible. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. And I hope you're looking at it. Put your finger on it. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now that setting is the very first day of the church that Jesus had just birthed. He has been crucified, he has been buried, and he has risen again from the dead. He has for 40 days shown himself alive with many infallible proofs. And upon doing that, he sends people that were claiming to be believers, he sends them to Jerusalem. It was a half a mile away. They were in the Mount of Olives, a place called Bethany, about a half a mile walk. Okay, down the road, go to the upper room in the church house in Jerusalem. And so of above 500 that were claiming to be believers, to be followers, only about 120 obeyed him and did what he said. The other folks, you don't read about them or hear about them anymore. They just melted back into the same old lifestyle living the same old way, doing the same old things, same old them. 
Well, this isn't about you being the same old you. This is about you becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus where old things are passed away, meaning the things I used to do, I don't do those things anymore. Places I used to go, I don't go those places anymore. You're not going to find me in the club anymore. You're going to find me in the church house. You're not going to find me doing uh, the alcohol anymore, drink, just take it, drinking wine all the time. Now you're going to find me with the new wine known as the gift of the Holy Ghost. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Going to be a new lifestyle. Going to be a new me. Going to be a new person walking in my shoes. And so here's the church. Jesus sends them there. To, to become born again. And as they gathered together, the Bible teaches that there came a sound from heaven. This is Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where these 120 about were gathered together. And this rushing mighty wind fills the house. And the Bible teaches that there appeared over them cloven tongues like as a fire, and that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, all, Peter, James, John, Mary, the mother of the flesh of the man Christ Jesus, the other devout women, about 120, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They all began to speak with other tongues. That means languages as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Okay, God is in control. You say, well, I'm going over to Romans, and all it says all I got to do is believe in my heart and confess with my mouth. Well, you better learn what that means. There's no contradiction in the Bible. You better study that by subject matter. Because he sends forth his spirit into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. When, he, when you say, I'm believing, he's judging whether or not you're believing. He weighs the spirits. Everybody that says isn't, there are people that draw near with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. He makes the judgment call here. And when he judges that you are truly believing from your heart, not your physical pump, but your mind, the seat of your thoughts and your intellect and your emotions, when he judges that you are truly believing in your heart, then he's going to send his spirit, the Holy Ghost, into your heart. And the Bible said, crying, Abba, making confession with the mouth that you have yielded your mind to him. And he speaks through you. And you're not going to be saying, Almost I was dead because you learned how to say that. You're not going to, uh, I saw a guy in the post office the other day and gave an yesterday and gave him an invitation to church, and I, I said, bonjour, you know, and he stopped. He went, you know. So I learned how to say one little word, but that's not as the Spirit of God gives the utterance, you know. So it's a different tongue or a language. Yes, it is. I told him, I'm, I'm trilingual. I can't speak any language too well. A little here, a little there, and a little here. A little Spanish, a little French, a little English. That's it. Just a little. Okay? Everybody said amen. amen. But when you yield yourself to God, friend, and he fills you with the gift of the Holy Ghost, even as he did there in Acts chapter 2 and other places, but we're just using that one right now. But there's plenty of subject matter. And the Bible teaches that they then begin to, as they continued to worship and to praise, that Peter stood forth from the apostles. And the Spirit of the Lord began to speak through him to the crowd of people, 17-plus nations. You talk about a united nation. I don't know how united they were, but there were a whole bunch of different nations there. And the Bible teaches that Peter began to preach to them. And as he finished up preaching, 
That's when you read Acts 2.38 right there. That was the end of his preaching, the end of his sermon for that day. And as he came to the end, they asked him, they cried out, why don't you do that with me, ready? Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be back. You see what happened? He answered their cry, their question. That's man's universal cry and God's universal answer. This is your answer. Now, if you want to do a handshake, well, then Peter could have started shaking hands. But I don't know because the Bible said they baptized 3,000 souls that day. That's a lot of handshaking. <laughs> Amen. They baptized. They worked hard that day. They baptized 3,000 souls. And they weren't doing any handshaking. They weren't telling people all kinds of different things. They were telling them just exactly what Jesus Christ told them to say. And that's Acts 2.38 right there. He told them to repent. He told them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and that they would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that's what you've got to tell yourself. I've got to do just what that says. I don't need to jump over somewhere else because there's no contradiction in the Bible. There's one scripture interprets another scripture. If you go over to uh, Romans, there's nothing wrong with Romans chapter 10. We teach it and we preach it. But you've got to understand it's the same thing. He was just preaching to people that already had it. He was teaching them an advanced class. We've gone from a Holy Ghost 101 or Salvation 101 to 102. Okay? I'm going to give you a little more depth. I'm going to teach you how to stay saved. Everybody said amen. amen. You, want to, you want to, as the instructions were, you want to break off the sinful lifestyle. I don't want to go back to being the same old me. I want that born again. I want to be the new person. I want to get away from the old lifestyle, the old ways of thinking, the old habits of things that I did and, and was involved with. I've seen many, many a person get this great experience, get baptized in Jesus' name and get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and they didn't go back. They went on. Well, how was it with, I told somebody the other day about the, the, the wise people, the wise men that came to find Jesus, and they came by way of the book, and when they got to him and they uh, gave him their gifts and they paid their homage and their worship, then the Bible teaches they went out another way. And when you come to Jesus Christ in truth, you call upon him in truth, you get this experience, and it's a life-changing experience. It's an improving experience. It makes you a new person in Christ Jesus. You're going to go out a different way. You're not going to be the same old you. You hear me? Man, I remember when I got the Holy Ghost, friend. I remember what led up to it. I, I repented of my sins, and, and I got baptized in Jesus' name, and my wife was was watching brand new we hadn't been married too very long and, and, and she was watching and she was seeing a change and that's what got her to come to church she saw a good change and and uh, I'm trying to tell you that that this is real this isn't fake and this isn't phony you're not going to go back to the same nasty bottle and you're not going to be stumbling around in the dark all drunk and and, and messed up in your heart you're not going to be full of dope anymore you're not going to be uh, involved with every sinful act and things that are wrong and destroying you. Not going to, because you're not going to have a desire for those things anymore. And you're going to be free from those evil spirits that were ruling your life and causing these things to, and putting you in, the, in harm's way and, and getting you to get involved with those things. You, that's not the guy that's going to be ruling in your life anymore. He's going out. And the 
Holy Ghost is coming in. We're getting rid of the bad, and we're bringing in the good. And then you find out that he that is within you, the Holy Ghost, is greater than that evil spirit that one time, or spirits that one time ruled in your life. Amen. The Holy Ghost only comes to do something good in your life. The church has something good for you. All right? Something good. I want you to believe that with me today. And that's what I want you to hurry up to. That's what the Bible is teaching. If you're going to get in a hurry, if you're going to hasten, then you need to be hastening to the right thing. You don't need to be running to and fro about things that are confusion and things that are wrong and leaving you confounded and all mixed up. How many people are scratching their heads today? I thought we were supposed to leave yesterday. What about those dudes that, that they all got black sneakers and black jeans and black T-shirts and they're all uh, laying around waiting for a certain uh, time because all the planets were going to get in alignment or something and they were going to, whoop, go out of here. You know? Well, they're still here. And, uh, you know, this isn't commercialism. This isn't Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus. That's not the work of God. That's the work of men inspired by Satan who wants to make a joke out of everything and who wants to discredit Jesus Christ, wants to discredit the truth. And, the, and he'll pull this stuff off enough until people are going to lose faith completely. But I'm telling you, if you check in your wallet, and you go through your money, and you find that one of them is counterfeit, you're not going to throw away the rest of the money because one of them is counterfeit. Even if you find that five or six of them are counterfeit, you're not going to throw away those others that are good. You're going to hold on to those. And I'm telling you, there's plenty of counterfeit. There's plenty of fake and phony. There's, there's plenty of imitations out there. But there's also the genuine and the real and that which is of God. Amen. You want to... You want to hurry up for that. You want to you rev it up for that. You want to quit like the foolish, putting off and procrastinating. Oh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And you never do get to it. You want to you wanna now tell yourself, the Bible said today is the day of salvation. He's trying to tell you that within this time period, now is your chance. And think of it as a door or a window. It is closing. Just like Noah on that ark built it the way God's word said to build it. And you know some, he had those children. He had a family. And you know some of them were saying, oh, why do we got to do it like this? You know? And because God said to do it like this. Because God sees what's coming. It's going to rain. What's rain? What is this rain stuff? You know, the Bible said the earth was watered from a mist that came from the ground in those days. They'd never seen that. So that was creating for some a lot of unbelief. And there were people laughed at Noah and his family. There were people that put the pressure on them to stop doing what they were doing. But they kept right on. He moved by fear, by respect and reverence for God to the saving of his house. Because the time came where God said, okay, everything's going on there. Going through one door. Going to be on the one ark. And they're going to have one name. It was all named in the Noah family, weren't they? And when that door shut, friend, that was it. And then that's when you could literally say, all hell broke loose. Hmm? The devil was loose and doing it. And friend, he was breaking up the fountains of the deep. He was bringing the thunderstorms and the rain. 
and it was happening, and hell was rejoicing and happy, and I'm going to drown every last living one of them. And don't you know that's what he wants to do to you? He wants to drown you in your sorrows. He wants to drown you in your pleasures of flesh. He wants to drown you in all of the different things that he can distract you with and get you going in all kinds of different directions. He wants to drown you in unbelief and doubt and fear and mockery. Oh, yes. And humor. You know, he wants to give you the improv comedy uh, uh, presentation. Make a joke out of everything. Yeah, I'm going to hell. All my friends are going to be there. I'm going to go there and party with them. Well, I told you, I like that, that bumper sticker I saw. It said, uh, the party in hell was canceled due to fire. <laughs> Let's stand together. Yeah, Lord. Woo! Yeah, Lord. There is a reality that sets in, but for many it's going to set in too late. You want the reality to come to you now while you have this great opportunity, while the grace of God is the blessing of God that you can be saved and that you can have his favor is here now. I'm telling you the window is closing just like the, the gangplank was closing into that ark, and the ark was a type of the church. And that, that, that thing began to close, friend, and they just, goodbye, good riddance, who cares, they're crazy. You know, and there's going to be so many things in imitations and counterfeit that people will lose faith in anything. But there is a genuine and there is a real. And, and the chapter and verse is here. It is here. I want you to believe it. I want you to really believe what God is saying. It's not hard. How difficult is it to repent? How difficult is it for you to admit that I've said it wrong, done it wrong, thought it wrong, and acted wrong? How difficult is it for you to break that off and say, with the help of God, I'm not going to do this or live this way anymore. I'm going I'm to have a change. I'm going to make a U-turn, a, a turning point in my life. I'm going to turn away from the power of Satan. I'm going to turn towards God. And then we'll baptize you. We will baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. I have some baptismal certificates to give out this morning. People that made that Bible step. They got baptized in water, in the name of Jesus Christ. And then you can receive the free gift of the Holy Ghost. And you'll be born again of water and of the Spirit. And you'll be uh, possessing the salvation that belongs to God. I don't want man's religion. I want God's salvation. There is a difference. Let's take a moment, lift our hearts with our hands together. You can do that as a form of surrenderment. Lord, I, I lift my heart with my hands. I lift it to you, Lord, as a sacrifice, as a worship, as a praise. I thank you, Lord. You're sitting on the well next to me, Lord. You're talking to my heart, Lord. And I don't want to brag to you about my religion. I want to know who I'm talking to. I want to hear what you have to say. I want you to dig me up and stir me up. Help me, Lord. Help me here this morning to repent. I want to be baptized. I want the Holy Ghost. Come on now. Let's worship Him. What does it mean to be saved? Isn't it more than just a prayer to pray? More than just a way to heaven? What does it mean to be His? To be born in His likeness? 
know that we have a purpose to be strong and light in the world, in the world, to be strong and light in the world, to be strong and light in the world, in the world, to be strong and light in the world. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say so. Oh. Hey. 